Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Helping you take your next step with Jesus. That's what we're all about here, Allie. Do you, have you ever counted your steps? Have you ever worn a, some sort of a tracker? It's funny that you say, oh, steps. I thought you were meaning steps with Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Do you still have your step tracker? Oh, I do. And uh, my daughter wears one too, so she's always uh, trying to compete with me. That's which great. It's never even a competition. Just, Mom, how, how are your steps doing? Oh, I'm somewhere around uh, 3,400. I have 11,000. <laughs> it's always way more. So well, mom doesn't take nearly as many steps in a day as my active 13-year-old. All we need you to take today is one giant step. Just one. And we've got some content that will help you do that. Playing the ball tag, fellas. Playing the ball tag. Here we go. Yes, yes. So you're going to be like this. Toe it in, right? That way you get your hips going that way. Yep. That's a good job right there now. Water break, fellas. Water break. Good finish, Mako. Good finish. Touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. Let's go. Touchdowns. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Little sound bites from training camp. Uh, Interesting here. I mean, what's the coach saying? Get your hips going this way. Why? Because defensive backs in football, and by the way, this relates to spiritual life. If you don't get disciplined with where your hips are pointed, you'll get a wide receiver. (laughs) He'll put a move on you. And you'll be standing there with your socks down around your ankles wondering what just happened. Yep. And he's running to the end zone. <laughs> with the time it takes you to pivot in the right direction, he's already it's way gone. ahead of you. Yep. He's history. So go after it here, Allie. If we just have for Bible reading the what, this is what you got to do, and this is how you do it. What are we missing and why? Well, it becomes routine. It, it becomes a, an end in of itself that I, I read my Bible or I pray or I do this spiritual discipline because that's what good Christians do. So then I do it to complete the task that I know good Christians do. And that has the staying power of how long? Oh, very little. Yeah. Very little. Because if you don't know why you're doing something, you lose motivation really quickly. Totally. And it becomes box box checking and going through the motions, and it feels very empty. Okay, we've got these for you guys. Now, let's break it down. Allie's going to go one at a time, and uh, Young Thunder and Super Die, you guys are on the hook. You're going to comment on each one. Okay. These (laughs) these are money. Here Mm -hmm. we go. Okay, first reason to study God's Word it keeps you from sinning. If this was the only reason, it would be reason enough. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because we all struggle with the sin. This is 100% of people. And I do want to know how to stop sinning, except I am not powerful enough in my own strength to take care of it. So I want to go spend time with God so that I can be more like him. And it's what Ali said earlier, too, is that you don't even know really what missing the mark is until you read the word of God. Absolutely. You had a friend reading the word and they go, hey, hey, I didn't know like, this was missing <laughs> the mark did, in I, my I life. I didn't know that this was considered sin. Yeah. Because there are many things now that culture, if you just pay attention to kind of take your cues from people around you, would say are perfectly okay and even encouraged. Yeah. And if you read the word of God, you go, oh, that's sin. Yeah. Psalm 119.11 is where we get our basis for this. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. Why study God's word? Well, it helps you thrive spiritually. All right. I'm going to give you the next one, Super Die. I'm going to tackle this one because oh. this is my fave. Oh, okay. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 is killer. Stay away from fools, mockers, scoffers. <laughs> Get under a tree with a Bible. Open it up. But before you open it up, look up. Find a leaf tree in high summer. 
and you see the leaves up there, you know what the psalmist says? That's your life. Your leaf will not wither. In all you do, you will prosper. So you can open up the word of God and go, whoa, whoa. I am promised that if I open up this word and I meditate on it and I make it part of me, I'm going to thrive spiritually. What a promise. Number three, why study God's word? It equips you for good work. Every good work. Every good work and every good work in God's purpose of why he created you. Doesn't mean good work because you're going to go out and make millions of dollars. It's good work in Him and is for His purpose and for His kingdom Boom. and how He and how and why He created you. It's so good. All right, let's keep rolling. Number four, why study God's word? Well, it guides you into spiritual victory. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Joshua one eight. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate, which also means mutter when you look at the Hebrew word, so you're speaking it out loud day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful. There is growth spiritually. There is growth spiritually and prosperously. Yeah. That you will have. Yes. And it's a great word to have. And we know it's true because God says it. You you keep this on your mouth and your heart. You're going to grow and it's going to be prosperous. Guys, that's just four. Here's the fifth. It enables you to survive storms. Do you want to? I know this is another one no, of your favorites. No, go, sister. This is awesome. One who builds the house, of course, with no foundation whatsoever. The other that builds the house on the rock. We're going to have storms, people. We're going to have them. But it's where is our foundation? Where, where have we built our faith? They're going to come. And the word of God is that cornerstone that will allow you to survive with him and through him. And because of him, yeah, you right will on. not fall. Yeah. Whatever blows and beats your house, the foundation is on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. The storms are going to come. There's no doubt about that. The question is, are you going to survive them? And according to Jesus's words, you hear these words, you apply them. Look out. Yeah. I mean, those are five screaming wise. If you want to play the game, you're going to have to practice. It's time for training camp on Carl and Crew Mornings. Yeah, it's just... It's great. Okay, so that's right on. Thank you, Jim. But the practice, what's the motivation for it? If you recognize that God has given us the why, the what and the how is duck soup. Somebody made a comment here earlier, says a lot of people need to understand how to study the Bible or study skills. No doubt about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, You take someone who is motivated to get wisdom for the storm that they're going through, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. They're going to figure it out. Yep, absolutely. You find someone that's got repetitive sin and they've just said, they've been told from Psalm 119.11, the word of God I've hidden in my heart that I will not sin against God. They're going to go, as some of you are right now going, Carl, you mean to tell me that the way for me to kick tail on this thing that's sitting in the shadows of my life is by getting in the word. Mm. I'm not telling you that. God is. And we're not saying that you replace, you don't get rid of the how. You just oh, no, lead the with there. the why. You lead with the why. You just yeah. lead with the why. So the how is still very important, but the why is what needs to be at the forefront. Yeah. I mean, let me full on, let me go pastor on you here for a moment because spiritual formation and people growing up in the Lord is what I, I long for, right? Come on. It's what I live for. If I didn't, what's going on here? But let me give you the inside skinny here, guys. 
You can do Bible study helps. You can get Jim Coakley's book on 14 ways to read the Bible in a fresh way. And you can look at every, I can tell you about Moody Bible commentaries till the cows come home, man. And we can give you every resource under the sun. You can go to Blue Letter Bible to find resources on commentaries galore. You can go to, I mean, Lagos software. You can do all that stuff. But what you most need more than anything else is an understanding of why God said the word of God is so vital. Because when you get that scream and why, oh, baby, now you've got motivation to grab that commentary that's sitting right there beside me. And you're like, yes. And by the way, a quick note on this for parenting skills. I think the greatest freedom you can give your kids, lean heavy into the why. And don't get frustrated if they're not taking the what and the how. Just keep leaning heavy into the why. Just tell them over and over again. Let me tell you why why I'm in the word. I like that. And and lean into the, it keeps your dad from sinning and screwing up. It keeps your mom thriving spiritually. You know how I'm, how I'm making it through some trials here? It helps me survive storms. It gives me an equilibrium I wouldn't have without it. You give the kids the why and baby, the what and the how they follow. Yeah. You need the what and the how, Mm -hmm. but what and the how without the why you're, you're just missing the secret sauce, man. And by the way, God knew this. This is why it's in his word. It's everywhere. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and crew mornings. Uh, Michael Rydelnik, he's the academic dean here at uh, Moody Bible Institute, professor of Jewish studies, and a man that I deeply respect. This is a man that loves the word deeply. We're talking, Michael, we want to bring you into the swift water of this discussion. We're talking about um, giving this big, holy, audacious why, rather than just telling kids and people in the pew, um, boy, you need to read the word of God, and this is how you do it. Um, Speak to the greater why. Michael you get excited about the word because of what it can do in us, right? Sure, sure. Well, I'll start with this. Okay. Uh, what Paul says in First Timothy 4, 7. Yep. He says, discipline yourself. So it's talking about spiritual disciplines there. Yep. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Yes. Yep. And, and the idea there is that our disciplines actually have a purpose, which is to transform us. That includes, I think, one of the primary disciplines, the discipline of reading God's Word. Yes. Now, here's the key. Okay. When, when we're playing basketball, let's say, I hear you guys talk football, baseball. Let's, let's bring basketball in here okay. for a second. You put a guy in the gym and say, you have to shoot 100 free throws every day. 100 free throws every day. And he's like, man, this is so boring, so boring. And... The purpose of that is not to sh- shoot free throws. The purpose is, is that there's going to come a game. Yes, Michael. And the game's on the line, and he's going to need what that practice yes, has done. Yes, Michael. Yeah. And so he knows how to put the, you know, he can shut out the crowd. He can focus on what he needs to do. It's like shoot free throws for the purpose of winning the game. Yes. Mm, See, that's what people need to hear that message, Michael. We've told them shoot free throws, but we haven't told them we're going to need you at clutch time. Yeah, exactly. We need, we need the skill developed so that 
when the game is on the line, when we are challenged, tempted with sin, when we need to be more merciful, more uh, gracious, more loving, when we need to love people and love God, and, and there's a challenge, we have disciplined ourselves with the Word of God so we can do it. That Yes. That's the key. We've got Dr. Michael Rydelnik with us coming up. Let's talk about how we keep the why at the forefront, because the what and the how do seem to kind of surpass it in terms of the questions oh, oh, yeah. that are asked. Oh, yeah. We, we, we are really good at telling people what they ought to be doing. We just don't tell them why. And, and therein, li- therein lies the problem. We got a church full or half full of people that are pretty apathetic. Get that answer from Dr. Michael Rydelnik straight ahead. If you want to play the game, you're going to have to practice. It's time for training camp on Carl and Crew Morning. I love having this guy with us. Anyone else like Dr. Michael Rydelnik? Of course. Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. <laughs> this is a great example. This man, in fact, he has spurred me on. I've been preaching through the book of Acts, and I know he can hear me bragging behind his back, but too bad, Dr. Rydelnik. He has spurred me on because my conversations with him over the last couple of years have really challenged me to dig deeper into the word of God. And I've been preaching through Acts, and I think I've been preaching at a depth that I wouldn't have without he and a couple others challenging me just by way they, by the way they live. Huh? Yeah. That's really cool. Seriously. But uh, here's, here's what we're digging uh, after today. We're talking training camp all week. Today is God's word, but we're entering the why study God's word. We got, we got a couple for you here that are just practical. It keeps you from sinning. Psalm 119, it helps you thrive spiritually. My favorite Psalm, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Get away from fools, mockers, and scoffers. Grab, grab the word of God, put it under your arm, open it up under a tree, and look up. Those leaves that aren't withering, that's your life. Yeah. How cool is this? So, Dr. Rydelnik, what's your best answer on how we keep the why at the forefront? Because we do tend to want to ask, well, how do I study the word? Uh, what's the best place to start? What book do I read? I'm sure that you see based on the questions that you get that the how is m- most important for a lot of people. How do we keep the why at the forefront? I think the biggest issue that I find with believers of long standing is they come to me and they say, I've never changed. How do I get experience change hmm. in my life. Interesting. I'm, st- I'm still struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this problem. And then they begin to doubt their salvation. Yes. Uh, maybe I really don't know the Lord. And the scriptures are clear. It says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And if people want to know, well, how do I renew my mind? It's by input of the word of God. Uh, it's by reading, studying, meditating, memorizing. That's the way we look at the word of God. And when we do that, we'll be transformed. So I think the greatest motivation for people should be if I want God to transform my life so that I look like he wants me to look. So I behave the way he wants me to behave. If I can experience real transformation, how will that happen? It will happen by input of the word of God on a regular basis. Excellent. Uh, something here we've got, we've got the top five that I came up with over the weekend. It keeps you from sinning. It helps you thrive spiritually. It equips you for good work. Second Timothy three. I mean, these are all reasons to read the word of God. It enables you to survive storms. Matthew seven, Jesus's last yeah. statement, sermon on the Mount. But I want to go to Joshua one eight, cause you and I were discussing this. 
It's uh, Joshua 1, it's a classic passage, guys. Mm -hmm. Meditate on the law day and night, and you will have great success and prosperity wherever you go. But the word uh, meditate is an interesting word. This word indicates to mutter or murmur, not to just keep it rattling around in your mind. These guys were walking around muttering, so when you go to the wailing wall, you see them actually meditating. It's the word haga. Haga. But there's a there's a verbalness to it, isn't there? When we're studying the word, yeah, it it talk it actually means muttering on yes it day and night yeah. yeah. And it, think about people speaking on. We teach our kids don't read with your lips moving, right? <laughs> when you go to to uh, grade school, yeah, oh you yeah, have to learn to read. <laughs> but God this said is otherwise. When you, but it's not actually reading with your lips moving. What this is talking about is when it's in your head, kind of just repeating it to yourself, muttering about it, bringing it up. Uh, The root word that I think is interesting, because I I don't really believe that roots are very helpful for understanding the meaning of a word. Uh, That's just a very, very minor part because it's how it's used that matters. But I do think that the image of the root word here, it was used of cows chewing the cud. Interesting. It's a great image, you know. You bring it up. Yeah. (laughs) You bring it up, you swallow it, you bring it up. And and that's what the image is, is when we meditate on God's word, it has that transformative effect on us. uh, And it gives us courage. This book uh, was designed to give Joshua courage. Uh, I love what you said about Psalm 1, uh, because it says that... I mean, what you're saying there is that it has a transformative effect on us. Uh, it gives us, it makes us flourish. Yeah. And, and, uh, in Jeremiah, now I'm looking for the passage, it says, uh, that the opposite is cursed of it is anyone who trusts in man. And I think, I think, yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty bad. That's exactly uh, right. Yeah, the, uh, the man here, here it is. The man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord is cursed and he dries up. But the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. And that links right to Psalm, Psalm 1. one. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Rydelnik, I've never asked you this before, but have you ever had a time in your life where you didn't really want to study the word and... What did that look like for you, if if that's ever happened for you? Yeah, you know, there have been times where it gets a little dry, truth to tell, mainly because you got something going on in life and you think, well, God didn't. It, it's just it's sort of like a, a, a process that you think, ah, I'm just not getting excitement out of this. Mm-hmm. I, I happily, when I was second year, it hadn't happened when I was a second year student at Moody. I had only been a follower of Jesus for four years. And I read the screw tape letters and the screw tape letters. Yes. It talked about <laughs> uh, the valleys and peaks, the, the, the high points and troughs as troughs is what C.S. Lewis calls it in that, that book. And that when you go through a trough, if you still obey, that's the key that God has put you in that valley deliberately because as Lewis, as the demon says to the fellow tempter, he says, there's nothing that it's, it's yet to be seen what God will do with a person who though seems to not find God anywhere in the world still obeys. Yes. That's, that's when God will really use him. And so when I had those periods where the word just, I just didn't want to read, I just read. 
it was a discipline mm-hmm. and it was good. And the, the other thing that happened, and I hate to say this, but some real challenges came in life. Yeah. Difficulties. And then you're hungry to hear from God. Yeah. I desperately <laughs> need to hear from him. And, yeah. and so that's how he brings you out of the trough, not by putting you on a peak of joy, but rather a challenge of life that is so amazingly hard. Mm. You're desperate for the word of God to find encouragement. Yeah. That's right good. on. Playing the ball tag, fellas. Playing the ball tag. Here we go. Yes, yes. So you're going to be like this. Toe it in, right? That way you get your hips going that way. Yep. That's a good job right there now. Water break, fellas. Water break. Good finish, Mako. Good finish. Touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. Let's go. Touchdowns. Yeah, I hadn't heard that uh, that clearly before. So here's the funny thing. He said, toe it in, gentlemen, toe it in to get your hips going the right way. Actually, what the coach was saying there is so true. If you get your toes going the wrong direction, mm. your hips will go the wrong direction. And when that wide receiver's putting the move on you, yeah. you will be left with your tube socks down around your ankles, man. <laughs> you, that's, that's called breaking an ankle yeah, right there. And absolutely. it happens all the time. All the time. Um, okay, guys, we're going to break this one down for you because we're talking training camp here. And one of the most important disciplines we can have is fellowship. And you might say, well, is fellowship discipline? Well, it appears to be because a lot of people are lacking it. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, and you think about, I mean, a lot's been talked about as far as post-COVID people not coming back to church. But in reality, the struggle for community predates COVID. Oh, yeah. The struggle for people to really be connected to the body. It's not just a COVID thing. We ha- we've we got a new hired discipleship pastor coming on board at 180 Chicago. Great dude. Paul Hanson. Can't wait till you meet this guy and his bride. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's a moody, he's a moody grad. Great, great dude. But here he had a stat for me when we were away on retreat that blew my mind. Pre-COVID, and I knew this part, average church attendance was 2.4 to 2.5 times a month. Post-COVID, ready for this one? Mm-hmm. 1.4. So dropped wow. by a whole a whole Sunday. Yeah. Wow. And that's a big deal, guys. Yes, absolutely. Wow. And how in the world do you shepherd people who are showing up at church 1.4 times a month? You can't. It's it's almost impossible because, it, especially if the church experience is limited to Sundays, mm-hmm. which sometimes doesn't have much koinonia going so on. So my question is, let's say there was four, average of four per month. Would that make community stronger? I, yeah, I'm... I think the chance for it to happen is a lot more. You get more frequency of hits with faces sure. and pretty quick. I do think there's value in that. Well, I, yeah, there's absolutely value in going to church. Or every excuse week. me. No, I want to be fair with this. There can be. If you're a get up and, and go and then dine and dash, no. Because you, you can you can remain totally anonymous in a church of 80. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to be known by anyone. But I think there's... With more exposure, there's better chance for, oh, hey, how about a cup of coffee? At 1.4 times a month, I don't hold out any hope to connect at all. Here's the problem, though. If we only go for, I think think that's what you're driving at, right? Mm -hmm. If you only go for four times a month, is that really making a dent either? Right. And the the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. What am I saying? I don't know. The answer is, no, it doesn't. You can't have fellowship if you're just attending church. Now, you know what's interesting? When I was a kid growing up, Scott Ziegler mentioned this earlier. When I was a kid growing up, I was at church, honestly, Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. Sunday night, and Wednesday. 
Now, you might say, well, Carl, you were lost as a goose. You didn't even know Jesus in those days. That's true. But I will tell you this. Remember Dave Churchill, the guy that I mentioned? Yeah. Okay, the only reason I knew Dave Churchill, and he was the guy that flashed through my brain, God used him to really convict me and to to encourage me when I surrendered to Jesus, is that my folks had me at church so much I knew Dave Churchill. I mean, nowadays, you've got kids that are wandering away from the Lord, and they don't have a recognizable face should they want to come back. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's tough, right? Yeah. And I'm just, I'm really thinking about this. Like, what is it that's changed? What is it that's changed? I think we've become really me-focused. I really do. I'm not so sure it's been good, guys. I mean, all this talk of what's your truth, Mm -hmm. I think that's the kind of the pinnacle tip of the evidence of this glacier of meism that's been in our culture. Yeah. I think it's there's way more below the waterline than even that statement, like what's your truth? I think we've conditioned people. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're born with our backs to God, we're inherently selfish. You talk oh, about yeah. a two-year-old all the time, yeah. right? The two, there's no one more. I mean, the, nobody has to teach a toddler the word mine. Oh, Say mine, Johnny, say mine. No, you don't teach them that no, word. You're, you're right about it. You don't have to teach. <laughs> we say, say mama, say dada, say ball, or say sister. say share. But we yeah. never teach them to say mine, but somehow they figure it out. No, mine. 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 Really learned it from me. <laughs> Mom and dad. Come on now. So, yeah, it's interesting. And so the question is, how are we going to get people in fellowship? And I do believe this. I don't want to be squishy on this one. I think Sunday service ought to be a launching pad into deeper community, mm-hmm. deeper fellowship. I don't think it, when, when Sunday becomes a landing pad, that's part of our problem is that we said, let's go to church and this is where we go. If that's your feeding place and not the launching pad for more feeding, I think you've got everything all jumbled up and messed up. But that being said, I think we've lost a vision for what fellowship can be. And if you look at the scriptures, you'll find some things that are quite astonishing. You know that fellowship, according to the word of God, does five things. I'm going to fire hose them here real quick, Ellie. It reminds you that you're never alone. It makes you stronger as a person, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It identifies you as a disciple of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> some of you are wondering, who am I really? You start hanging around church a little bit. Either you will go, ah, I'm not one of these, and I'm bouncing, or it's like, hey, these are my people. Yeah. A uh, third, a uh, fourth one is it helps you stay spiritually motivated. I love this in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Do you know why to have fellowship? Because it keeps you pumped up. Yeah. You, it's hard to stay motivated alone. No, you can't. <laughs> How many people's personal workout plan works? Very few Mm -hmm. without having a trainer, a coach, a group you're in. Why do you think Orange Theory and all these are so popular? Absolutely. Peloton. Yeah. Peloton community. Mm Yeah. How many people set up a bike in their home and just pedal like a crazy man with no screen in front of them? Most don't. No. Those are called clothes hangers. Mm -hmm. That's what those units are called. Yeah, true. But then the fifth one here is it positions you to experience revival. When I saw this in Acts 2, 46 or 47, I thought, you know what? They were committed to the apostles' teaching and prayer and fellowship, breaking of bread, those four disciplines. But one of them was fellowship, and many were there added to their number daily. And it's a, it's a lesson, it's an observation of Scripture that when you're in fellowship, you actually get to see revival when it happens. Yeah. 
if you aren't part of fellowship, that parade passes you by. Hmm. So what is it that keeps us out of it? I'm going to ask you a question, Boom Crew. I want to ask you to be bold. You go 1.4 times a month or less. Why don't you go more? I'm not going to bash anyone here. This is, I want to know. You know what I mean, Allie? Yeah. I want to know. Why don't you go more? I mean, by the way, just take this practically. Do you think if you went to the health club 1.4 times a month, you could get healthy? Nope. That's not a perfect apples for apples. Mm Mm-hmm. But it ain't far off. It's not far. It's not far at all. Because, yes, I think it's a better analogy than maybe you think. Because you can go to the gym 1.4 times a month. And sure, when you go, your muscles hurt. Yeah. You know, because there is some growth there, but it's not sustained. And the same thing for church. Sure, when you go that one time or, you know, that one and a half times, yep. then you're going to have some some things that you can take with you to apply and grow in, but it's not sustained. Yeah, that's right on. That's, this is so much fun to talk about. Okay, got a question for you. How did I word that? I forget. Yeah, if you go to church infrequently, why? Why don't you go to church more? And this is not a loaded question. No. This is not a shaming no. question. No. Practically speaking, why don't you go more? Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. I appreciate you, Boom Crew. We're getting a ton of response here, man. This is really good. All right, the question is this one. If you go infrequently to church, why don't you go more? And, and this is great. You're totally anonymous here. We'll, know, we'll see your number, but we're not going to like call you up and go, wow, what an answer. And Boom Crew, we just love your honesty. When we get this and we know where to go with you, this is really cool. All right, Allie, we got a slew of these things. Yeah, and some of them I'm going to kind of batch together. There's quite a few answers around scheduling. I work nights and can't get up on Sunday mornings, or I work, uh, I'm a nurse and I work on every other Sunday, so I can't go. So there's certainly those challenges. Uh, This couple of answers that say laziness. It's a lot easier to watch online. This one came in. My family doesn't want to go with me. How about this one? I'm not inspired by the message. Hmm. Yeah, I saw another one that said that the it's prosperity gospel and they aren't dishing the word where I was going and kind of took me out. Oh, there's some chronic illness here. Yep. This one, I'm a single se- senior citizen and I'm invisible. Ooh, that can't be. Wow. Wife is a germaphobe, but also a non-believer. I don't want to sit by myself. What about this one? I don't go regularly because I don't want to be faced with my sin. I know what it is I'm doing and not doing, and I hate to be face-to-face with it. Mm. Ooh, man, that's honest. I mean, there's so many of them coming Uh, in here, guys. Fear, I've been so hurt by God's people. Another one with church hurt. (sighs) Yeah. Some people are saying, I mean, we're going to read them as we get them here, guys. The church has gone woke. Um, don't like where the church is headed. You got a couple more you want to hit? Yeah, I, uh, another one with work challenges. Um, like to watch on TV. Selfishly, I feel like then we haven't lost half our day. Yeah, the, wow. Mm. Okay, it, um, lost half our Okay. This is great. This is honesty, man. Yeah, uh, somebody here said, and this one breaks my heart. I'm single mom. I have special needs 
kid, and it's just too overwhelming. Remember how we had Johnny and friends on, and they said every church needs to have a special needs yes, ministry absolutely. that is fully equipped yes. and staffed and ready to rumble? I agree. Man, that is so true. Any more, Allie? Yeah, distance. We moved. Our church is now 40 miles away, so we don't go as often. Yeah, we're getting a lot of good feedback here. Some don't think they have a voice. My heart of hearts, I feel like I won't be accepted. Wow. The sound system is loud, and music Mm -hmm. caters to young people. Pastor is always yelling. Huh. So here's a question for you as a pastor. How much should the church be meeting my needs? How much of my motivation should be, are my needs being met? Am I receiving from the word? Do I like the way the music is? Do I find a new church if this one's not meeting my needs? Yeah, as a pastor, some of these, I want to put my arm around these people and go, come on now, come on now. And some of them, I want to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's both here. There's a lot of of different answers, absolutely. So I'll tell you what I would say I'm sorry to and what I put my arm around and say, you know what, get your alarm clock out. We'll hit Mm -hmm. some of those coming up. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. We're talking about the need to have fellowship today. Why fellowship? What's the most important for you reason for you, Allie? Um, that's a good question. Um, from this list? Yeah, this list. Go ahead and read it out and then grab yeah. the one that most hits you. So why fellowship with others? Here are our top five. It reminds you that you're never alone. It makes you stronger as a person. It identifies you as a disciple of Christ. It helps you stay spiritually motivated, and it positions you to experience revival. I think the number one reason for me would be it helps you stay spiritually motivated. That's good. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's right on. And sometimes I think we might apologize for that, like, oh, do I need people to keep me spiritually motivated? Here's the answer for that. Yes, now, we asked a question here earlier, why in the world are you staying away from church? Why is there such infrequency of attendance? We had over 100 response. We had so many responses. And, you know, one of the threads that I see through most of the texts is a certain level of frustration with the church. Either it's the church, my church is not meeting my needs, or I don't like the direction that it's going, or I don't feel welcomed, I don't feel accepted. What do you say to that? Because there's just reading through this, and there's a lot of frustration. Yeah, I mean, there's two can't. There's look on a continuum of horrible excuses. Number one, number ten being great reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a continuum there, right? Absolutely. But if I could break it into two gentle buckets. I think the church that has no way to care for the single mom who's overwhelmed, man, that's that's, that's I'm putting my arm around that mom mm-hmm. and going, shoot, we're yes, sorry. Absolutely. What can we do to fix that? Special needs. I almost cry thinking about that one. Uh, think about the mom that has a kid with Asperger's, mm-hmm. as we had text in here, mm-hmm. and she's alone, man. Yeah. And, and that kid can't just be dropped off with the kids, guys. Yeah. No. I mean, so I put my arm around them. Um, the one that's been burned by church hurt, they invested their life in this thing. I'll put my arm around that person right now and go, you know what? Two things. One, I get your pain. Number two, there's a worse pain, and that's you dying alone. And I know some of you might say, well, I won't die alone. I'll have a few people around me. No. Listen, in the body of Christ, man, we need you. 
And this isn't about, do you need us? See, we need mm-hmm. you, is mm-hmm. what the scriptures say. Yeah. So we need you. There's some reasons here that, and quite candidly, I put my arm around some. We had somebody text in here and said, the music's too loud. It's geared toward young people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you know what older people in Christ do? They exercise grace. And I'm so proud of my dad. Do you think my dad liked all these tunes? Come on, my dad, when he died at 95, I never heard him grump one time about the rock and roll bands that we had up in Alaska when he was an elder. Hmm. Was it his preferred music? No. I happen to know he loved Perry Como with my mom. Mm -hmm. Now, Perry Como was chill, man. If you have Perry Como music every weekend at church, you're not going to have any young people. But my dad understood the grace to flex. By the way, does the music get too loud at churches sometimes? Yeah. It can? Yeah. We have to check our DB levels ourselves in a little gymnasium, make sure we're not crushing people's eardrums. Mm-hmm. But we, we can't let our preferences keep us out of fellowship. We just can't do that. So that's a different arm around. Uh, you got a you got a comment that you heard? Yeah, it was interesting that the, I went to church on Sunday and the, it was all about community and living uh, life on life kind of together. And there was a quote. It was really long, so I'm not going to give you the whole thing. But it was essentially posing this thought that we all long for community, but so often we walk away disappointed. Mm. And whether that's the community that we form on our child's team, the team parents, or it's the community that we find around a sport or a hobby. And then obviously that extends into the church and we walk away disappointed. Community never seems to quite offer, kind of fulfill our expectations. And then it kind of threw in that another quote about perfect being the enemy of good. So do we walk away from community disappointed because we've expected too much or is it true that we're not offering people community that's actually satisfying? What do you think? It's Are really we expecting good. too much from community? Therefore, we shun it because I've been hurt. Again, all of these things are real. I'm just posing the question. We walk away yeah. because I've been hurt, because I don't feel accepted, and all of these things, and we've yeah. rejected it because it's not perfect. I, I believe in my heart of hearts that we always have higher expectations than what often results. Take Disney World, for instance. Have you ever had an experience where you're going and it's like, man, this is going to be the most amazing thing in the world, and it was good, but have you ever walked away going, it wasn't as good as I anticipated for six months it was going to be? We often say it, I hyped that up too much. (laughs) Okay, that's a term that's often used. So can we overhype community? Yeah. I think one of the problems is that, and I come back to this time and again, but I think it's true, when we, when we reduce community down to attending something rather than being part of a movement, that's when I think we have great disappointment. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of these points here, what real fellowship does, it positions you to experience revival. Imagine what it was like for the people, although they were being persecuted, to see thousands, many added to their number daily, those who were being saved. Yeah, They had a front row seat to see something happen. Yeah. It was just so cool. And uh, so it's, I think it's both and. I don't know that we've given a proper vision. I think we have inflated expectations. Here's the reality. People are going to hurt people. We're going to hurt each other. Oh, yeah, because I'm sure as a, as a pastor, I'm sure there are people who you, who you have disappointed because they wanted more wife, from you. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. I have known some of the greatest people disappoint people, and I want to go up to the people that were disappointed by them and go and 
this this guy's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's imperfect, but he's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we do have a culture, by the way, where we focus on imperfections. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. It's happening. That's an epidemic. I mean, if you want to find something wrong with Pastor Carl Clausen, and if you're in 180 Chicago, you might already know this. <laughs> Just follow me around for a week. Yeah. You'll find something you don't like about me. I promise you that. But there's a lot of disappointment in this mm-hmm. world today. I think the thing with church is understanding this. Although the church is imperfect, it's the bride of Christ yeah. still. And it's still the only place, if we look at these five reasons where these why fellowship, it's the only place where this can happen. Like you, you, you won't find community outside the church that will help you stay spiritually motivated. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. Addictions are real and they seem to be growing, right, Allie? Yes. I think we're starting to broaden what we think of when we think of addiction. I think it used to... What do you mean by that? Well, I think now people are recognizing that addiction can look much different. We used to look at the person maybe who is on the street corner and has kind of lost everything, like that person is a drug addict. Right. I think now we look at it a little bit different, that addiction is not just the down and out person on the street. Yeah. And when we talk about recovery specifically, you know my conviction on this one. That we're all in recovery. We're all in recovery. Dave, what do you think? Uh, You think we're all in recovery? Absolutely. If not, we're in denial. Um, (laughs) You know what, brother? You were right on. And, you know, we brought in Dave Bryan to spike this here. He and his wife just set our Celebrate Recovery ministry leaders at Evangelical Free Church in Crystal Lake. But I want to linger on this one a little bit before we go after the specific ministry of Celebrate Recovery. I'm so glad to hear you jump on that one because I think the problem with singling out recovery ministry, by the way, there's huge benefit. The problem can be for the masses in church that don't go to it. They think we're not in recovery, Dave. Correct. And and a lot of people in church, and not to knock the church, but they, they think because, you know, I've accepted Christ and now my life is going to be sunshine and lollipops. That is not always the case. So, Dave, you and your bride have been doing this for a while. What in the world compelled you to jump in to celebrate recovery yourself? I've been in recovery for about 38 years, came through secular, through Alcoholics Anonymous. And my pastor of care ministry said, why don't you check out this Celebrate Recovery program that we have? So I did and found that not only does it, let me back up. A lot of the secular programs teach abstinence, which is important for addictions, but Celebrate Recovery works on recovery, not just the abstinent part. Hmm. We get down to causes and conditions. Why did I drink? Why did I go to porn? Why did I get into those toxic relationships? That's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. And it points, everything points back to Christ and the Holy Spirit does all the healing work. Beautiful. So who is Celebrate Recovery for? Well, for everybody. And we, we have kids programs, uh, Celebration Place, which is for ages 5 to 12. And then we have The Landing, which is for teenagers. But we've got Celebrate Recovery Ministries for veterans and mental health issues. And the reality is that only about a third of the people that come to Celebrate Recovery have addiction issues. There's wow. also a lot of people that have coming from broken homes or divorces, um, you know, brought up in, in dysfunctional family, whatever you define that as, but codependency, a big one today is is porn addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of, lot of people, and not just guys, but women too, that are in recovery from porn addiction. Give us a story. I love, we love stories, don't we guys? We do. Give us a story, Dave. Give us a story of victory over darkness, man. 
Absolutely. Well, we, I, I could give you a whole bunch of them, but we one favorite of mine, we had a, a couple in our group several years ago that they got divorced, and the gentleman was going to our Celebrate Recovery in Crystal Lake. His wife was going to another one in another town. One of the steps of Celebrate Recovery is we have to make amends, go to make amends yes. and write our relationships with people. So he went to make amends to his ex-wife. She said, well, funny, I'm in the recovery also and have to make my amends to you. <laughs> They ended up starting dating again. Oh. They got married oh. at our Celebrate Recovery on a Friday night. It was so cool. Oh, man. So, Dave, for those who are not familiar with uh, the Celebrate Recovery program process, it's a 12-step recovery program, but it's it's different from other 12-step programs. It's really based on principles out of Matthew 5. Correct. It's based on the Sermon on the Mount, principles out of Matthew 5, exactly. And and we also work the same 12 steps as the as we call them the secular recovery programs, except Jesus Christ is our higher power, and we are not bashful about that, but we don't jam it down people's throat. Well, getting stories like that, like you just shared, Dave, that is that is really cool. Boom Crew, we do love recovery here. We just happen to believe that everyone is in recovery. But specifically Absolutely. to this ministry, if this is something that you're interested in, Boom Crew, uh, take a look. If you want to find out more about the Celebrate Recovery program for you or someone you know and find a local chapter, just text the word recovery to 312-274-9624. Text the word recovery to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. Dave, I want to thank you for being with us today, man, and kudos to you and your bride for helping lead this effort out at Evangelical Free Church in Crystal Lake. Little props there for you, bro, but thanks for being with thank us you. today. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.